In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, The Mysteries of Stonehenge, this podcast is brought to you by BrightBiz. If you own a business or you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. Best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com to grab your free copy. I know there are a lot of websites out there. They offer you a special deal on something, but then they stick you in some recurring program. Don't worry. This isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try. BrightBiz is giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com freebusinesstoolbox.com that's freebusinesstoolbox.com Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres pursuing the truth wherever it leads exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites 
Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of her supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for listening and welcome to episode 57 of Conspiracy Unlimited. I recently accepted an invitation to speak at a festival slash conference called Occulticon. This is an annual held about an hour from here in Holstein, Ontario, which is, from what I understand, a very rural location up on top of an escarpment. And it's billed as all things curious and all things occult. I'll be there presenting at Occulticon on Saturday, July the 14th. 2018 at 1 p.m. in the lecture tent, and then I'll be taking part in an experts panel uh, under the same lecture tent at 3 p.m., and it's held outdoors, as, as I say, under tents at Mythwood Event Grounds, and the property is supposed to be just beautiful, and attendees can camp over the weekend. You can find out more at occulticon.ca, occulticon.ca, but one of the things that I'm anxious to see there is a replica of Stonehenge. It's right there on the property. Not exactly a replica, but they have some very large stones arranged in a circle, so it's a stone circle. And people who go there and and are inside the stone circle report feeling a very interesting energy. Uh, of course, the most famous of all stone circles is on the Salisbury Plain in Great Britain, and uh, it's Stonehenge, this prehistoric monument in Wiltshire, England, two miles west of Amesbury, and it consists of a ring of standing stones. Each standing stone is around 13 feet or 4 meters high, 7 feet uh, wide, and they weigh around, on average, 25 tons. And archaeologists believe it was constructed somewhere between 3000 and 2000 B.C., Stonehenge could have been a burial ground from its earliest beginnings. Uh, there are deposits containing human bone that date back to about 3000 BC when the ditch and bank were first dug. So let's delve into Stonehenge. Cayman Mythwood has been interested in the occult, sacred geometry, magic myths, ancient history, and polytheistic religions. He continues to study to improve his medium, clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant, and empathic skills. Uh, with his wife, Alex, Cayman is also owner and operator of Mythwood Campground, a unique sacred space where history, polytheistic paths, and nature come together. He sits on the advisory chair. He's traveled to several sacred sites around the world, including Stonehenge. Uh, Mesa Verde and all the way to the sacred volcanoes of Hawaii, which give him a rather unique perspective when creating rituals and ceremonies and connecting to the ancestors. Cayman Mythwood, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Good. Great. Thanks, Richard. Uh, really uh, honored to be on the show, and thanks for having me. My pleasure. Let's uh, first talk about Occulticon. Tell the folks all about Occulticon and where they can go to get tickets and what's happening and when and so forth. Certainly. Um, Occulticon is a, a new uh, c- a convention that uh, started uh, last year, and this is our second year. Um, you can get more information at Occulticon at uh, www.occulticon.ca. That's O-C-C-U-L-T-I-C-O-N.ca. Um, and it's being held at Mythwood Campground, and uh, that's a, a beautiful place out in the country, that has uh, shrines and and all kinds of stuff uh, for religious reasons. We we accept all different types of people. Um, everyone's welcome at Mythwood. 
Um, and uh, Occulticon seems to be uh, the perfect fit for Mythwood. It's it's uh, just a great venue for uh, for what's involved. Um, what we do is we have a whole bunch of guest speakers and uh, and experts on the occult and the paranormal, and uh, they all come and talk uh, about whatever um, they're interested in that year. I, I usually let the uh, presenters decide what they want to talk about this year, and if it's good, uh, that means they're passionate and excited about that topic, and uh, it gets for a lot more excitement. So there'll be uh, there'll be Wiccans, Druids, uh, Pagans. Uh, there'll be talking people talking about the left hand path. That's um, right. Uh, Fr- Frater Arceus, who was on Conspiracy Unlimited recently, uh, will also be there. You'll have that's uh, right. Yeah. Frater's a great guy. Yeah, he really uh, knows I, his stuff. And this is happening July 13, 14, and 15. I'll be speaking there on the Saturday, which is July the 14th. And again, people That's can go right. to the website, occulticon.ca. This is up in Holstein, Ontario. Where is that? Um, it's it's about an hour, hour and a half north of Toronto. It depends on where you're coming from exactly. Um, if you just head basically north on Highway 10, which a lot of people are familiar with, um, you get to a little town called Dundalk, and you hang a left, and we're uh, about 20 minutes down the road from there. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere, um, and we boast uh, that we have one of the highest campground sites in all of Ontario. So Mythwood is located on sort of a on a on a plateau on the top of an escarpment. Is that the idea? That's right. Um, Ontario's built up in a layer of hills. And as the further north you go, um, it just keeps going up in these little levels. And when you get to the top, um, you're near Dundalk. And uh, like I said, we're not far from there. There's one place down the road that's a little bit higher than us. We're about 475 meters above sea level, or above Toronto, actually. So so when people come to Occulticon, they're actually going to camp out there as well, right? That's right. We're uh, fully serviced sites. Uh, there's at least 60 of them, plus another couple hundred uh, camping sites, full amenities. We've got everything from uh, uh, full outdoor showers, uh, proper flushing toilets. Uh, we've got ponds and lakes. Um, we've got shrines all over the place. We have a stone circle that we built there, as well as uh, another uh, actually based off of... Uh, Stonehenge, all the measurements and everything are the same. Um, and we've also got a sea henge there, which uh, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the archaeologist uh, Francis Pryor. No, I'm he, not. Yeah, he was part of the Time Team uh, show that was in England. It was on for a good 20-plus years. Um, they uh, found this site uh, on the edge of England. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, there's just on the edge of the sea, and uh, it's basically a wooden structure with a, a tree that has been put upside down, this huge root structure that comes up out of the ground, and uh, basically a wood palisade that goes around it. And it's a huge mystery as to what its purpose was, but a lot of um, druids uh, had come to the area to protest them actually digging the thing up. 
um, and uh, they came to some agreements and, and finally went ahead with the dig. Uh, but it's uh, basically, it's for, we think the use is for uh, underground uh, use, like uh, uh, the underworld, rather. Um, so it, it's, it's like as above, so below. Uh, right. This is, they're, they're representing the below half. So uh, it's quite fascinating, but that's just one theory on it. Um, other people think it may have been some sort of uh, fishing thing where they would catch the fish coming in on the tide and they would get stuck inside this little palisade and, and stuck in the tree roots and such. But uh, it's quite a fascinating uh, spot. When we rebuilt it, we had no idea how much um, power and resonance that the structure has when you go inside it. It's just absolutely magical. Well, what, what happens when you go inside it? And can you measure this e- energy as well? Um, I'm sure there's some tools you could use to, to measure it. Um, there's, uh, when you walk inside, it's just this feeling of awe and um, wonderment. Of, and it's the energy change uh, from when you, you step inside and to when you step outside. It's very clear. Um, it's like uh, when you step into a, a room... And uh, you just get that different feeling about that room. Well, this this has that in in droves. So, well, tell me about uh, your your replica of of Stonehenge, certainly. Uh, because I mean this, <laughs> and we'll talk about Stonehenge. But I mean some of the heaviest stones. We're talking about about sarsen sandstone, and some of these stones weighed something like fifty tons. Uh, That's right. How does your how does your Stonehenge up in up on uh, Mythwood? event grounds how does it compare and, and uh what's it look like well first of all it's not exactly a replica of stonehenge like we don't have the large stones with lentils on top etc what we have is we went out and found the biggest stones we could find in the area and uh with a lot of uh a lot of people and a lot of machines and a lot of know-how it took me a couple of years to build it uh, first, I had to, to get the uh, alignments of the solstice and, uh, and so forth. Everything is based off of that, and the outer circle is the same size as the great part of the hinge, the great lentils that go on the, the very outside of Stonehenge. Uh, very few of those stones are left today at the uh, original Stonehenge site. Um, uh, but uh, our site is, like I said, the exact same size, and basically, for every stone we have, it's like uh, standing in the middle of the little archways that are created. It'd be about every other one uh, that goes around, and it's based off of a kingstone that is set uh, right out to the north. And uh, I was watching uh, a very interesting episode on uh, experimental archaeology, and I did a test, and what, what they test was is that you take a rope that's 135 feet long and you stretch it from the kingstone to the center of the circle that you're going to build and then what you do is you fold that rope in half and that gives you uh, uh, half of the diameter so once you've done that then you fold it in half again and it gives you the distance between the main stones and finally you fold it in half one more time it will give you the size of the uh, altar table or stones that are in the middle. And uh, this was discovered uh, years ago by an experimental 
archaeologist who uh, reconstructed or back-constructed uh, the Nine Sisters uh, stone circle in England, and it was uh, quite revolutionary when they discovered that you could uh, do it this way. And then they found out that it matches a whole bunch of other stone circles all, all throughout England. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, there are thousands of them. That's the thing about yeah. Stonehenge. It's it's certainly not unique. No, not at all. Um, but you're right. The sarsen stones are one of them. It weighs up to forty tons, and uh, that's a big stone. Um, and it's recently been discovered by Mike Pitts, who is a another English archaeologist. Um, <clears throat> he discovered that two of the stones on the site were actually already there. And this has just come out like a couple weeks ago. Um, so he's, uh, so what it means is, is that based on where these stones were, they were already naturally standing from the, the glaciers that came down from the north, uh, you know, 10, 20,000 years ago, whatever that was, 40,000, I think. Um, they left these stones standing there, and that's why they chose that spot, is what they believe. Because the, the big mystery has always been, why there? Right. Why on the Salisbury Plain? Yeah, it's just this sort of open area, and why not on top of that hill or over over there in the in the valley? Um, it was uh, just because they discovered this stone a couple of weeks ago. Uh, very fascinating. And and then the rest of the sandstone uh, supposedly was transported from a quarry some eighteen twenty miles away. How do you suppose they were able to move those huge stones? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's a few different theories. Uh, it was about 20 to 30 kilometers away where they got um, some of the sarsen stones. It's believed that they got a couple of them from actually on the site. We're, we're near a little closer. Um, but what they believe they did was they put them on logs and rolled and dragged them, and dragged them through and sometimes actually rolled them on their sides. And uh, if you put... Uh, a little uh, tiny stone underneath the center of it, you can balance the entire stone and actually walk it as well. That's that's another way to do it. Just like they discovered at Easter Island that they think they actually walk the stones into place. Well, it's possible that they use the same technique. But the exciting part is actually the blue stones that are at Stonehenge. They came from about 150 miles away. Um, and the, from a place called Karn Menin. And uh, these stones were, they believe, uh, transported about three kilometers down to uh, the waterway and put on rafts 
brought all the way down to the bottom corner of, of England and the, the shortest route from, from the ocean uh, up, or they brought it through the river. Uh, either, either way, they don't know for sure which way they went, but uh, that is uh, definitely a very interesting part about it because the, the blue stones are known as healing stones, and uh, people have been pilgrimaging uh, to that site for hundreds of years uh, just because they believe these healing stones, um, you know, they work. And, and what's interesting about the stones I just learned recently is they're actually about two degrees warmer than the sarsen stones. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You so, mentioned, um, well, what I wanted to mention was the, um, the, the way that the, the alignment, uh, and, and uh, is it to the summer solstice sunrise that it's aligned? Great question. Um, yes and no. Um, there's some that believe there are two stones that are set outside of the henge, um, but right now there's only one stone. They, uh, and everyone thought that the sun was supposed to come up and line up with this one stone. The heel stone, isn't it? Uh, yes, it's very. I think it is the heel stone. And it, uh, the sun comes up, and uh, it's supposed to set right above this stone. Well, they discovered a few years back while putting in a phone line uh, that there's actually another hole next to it, and there's a pair of stones, and the sun's supposed to come up between the two. Ah. Right. So for the perfect alignment. But just on the one stone, I mean, really all you got to do is step over to the right or left a little bit and right. line it up. But it still, you know, um, but it still is the summer solstice sunrise, correct? Well, a lot of people still, a lot of druids and and uh, spiritualists still go for the summer solstice. It's it's quite a big deal. But what's believed is um, that uh, are you familiar with Michael Parker Pearson? No. Yeah, he's a he's a famous British archaeologist who uh, it discovered uh, while excavating Stonehenge that not only is there a temporary village next to Stonehenge, a ton of places there, there is a, a pathway that runs uh, from Stonehenge all the way down to the River Avon. So if you take that path and then follow along Avon, you'll eventually come up to another road that leads you directly to Durrington, or Woodhenge, they call it. And what it's believed is that they would actually start at uh, for the winter solstice they would start a gathering at the woodhenge at and have a, a feast sort of thing and then they would uh progress down the trail follow the river avon all the way to the processional road towards uh stonehenge and then just as the sun or uh just as the winter sun uh was rising um i'm sorry setting uh they would arrive, hmm. and, uh, and it was this magical moment, um, and it was believed that the wood from Woodhenge uh, represents the living, and that the stone at Stonehenge would represent the dead or the ancestors. Interesting. Now, yeah. uh, the Druids have always sort of laid claim to this, this site, but my understanding is that it, Stonehenge was completed at least a thousand years before the Druids even came to power, so who built it? Well, it turns out uh, Michael Parker Pearson found the village that uh, of the people who built it, 
and it is uh, just off to the side of, of the Stonehenge, and it's not- noted that it's a temporary uh, living space. So because they found these huge uh, places where they would dump all their refuse, and it would it looked like it was just these huge parties and celebrations that they were having there. Um, and then they went down the road to Woodhenge and discovered another site of, uh, of buildings and, and homes that were more permanent. So um, it's believed that uh, in, the, in the summer, uh, over a period of about 35 years, is what they think it took to build it. Um, it was actually built in, in a whole bunch of different stages. Um, first, they put in the giant ditch that goes around it. Uh, then they put in a big series of blue stones. There's 56 of them, and they're known today, uh, the placement is known today as the Aubrey Holes, and Aubrey is the name of the guy who uh, discovered them. But what happened was they uh, they then went in and built the rest of the henge on the inside uh, that you would know to see Stonehenge today. That That's the part I'm talking about. And they took these 56 stones and put them inside uh, the new structure. And this all happened in about a 35-year period, but the stages themselves took hundreds of years. Uh, before they changed it, and that was around uh, 1800 or 1900 B.C. when people were actually uh, using the site on a regular basis. Well, these stone circles uh, were evidently used for healing rituals. Well, I have my own healing ritual, and it involves green tea. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body. Green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, including a powerful antioxidant, which has been the subject of extensive scientific research. Why don't you pour on these multiple health benefits for yourself? Green tea, as I say, a powerful antioxidant. It supports cell membrane integrity, boosts liver detoxification, enhances immune function, and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, LDL and triglyceride levels, and so forth. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is also decaffeinated, yet it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. The Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic purposes since 2000 BC, almost as old as Stonehenge. More recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple health benefits. One capsule a day of mega green tea extract is all you need. Give your body what it needs. Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to smartclickidea.com. That's smartclickidea.com. Smartclickidea.com. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Cayman Mythwood is here from Occulticon, and we're talking about Stonehenge and Druids and pagan rituals. I'd heard originally uh, that these henges, let's call them, uh, because as you say, they're all over England, yeah. Uh, that their original purpose, I mean, later they became more affiliated with for religious rituals, but originally they were like stock enclosures for cattle. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, I don't know how much uh, truth there is to it because I've been there. I've been to all of, uh, not all of them because there's a lot, but I've been to many of the sites out there. And, and even today, um, they will just leave the, uh, the the sheep and the horses and everything just to walk around as they would. 
um, just no fencing, no nothing, and they just walk around, and whenever they want to go get one to call it, they would just go out and get it and bring it back. So they didn't actually seem to enclose them off as much unless they were a little closer to uh, like a tribe's main farm area or something. Uh, that's that's where they would actually fence them off, and sometimes they would use uh, a series of stones and uh, wood to to clear it off, some uh, wattle and daub to to keep the animals in. But I find the stones and most of the stone circles are way too far apart uh, to actually keep them in. Right, right. So, so uh, not built by the druids, but what what were the druids using Stonehenge and the other henges for? Well, I believe it was for more of a, a spiritual reason. Um, there's several stones that are, are uh, standing. Uh, for example, the stone in Tara Hill. There's just one stone there that it's called the King Stone, and they would go, and that's the stone where any anybody that was going to be the new king would go there, and they would allow them to uh, progress into their kingdom. Also, it was used as a place of healing because they're finding all of these graves, and I guess they do some sort of forensic testing, and they were able to determine that the people that are buried around these henges, I mean, they suffered from some serious diseases. Yeah, that's right. I mean, could you imagine living back then? There was some serious diseases going on and not a lot of doctors. Right, right. You couldn't just go into the hospital and say, fix my broken arm. Uh, you were stuck with that arm, and if you were lucky, one of the, the healers or the druids or or the local witch or whoever was doing the healing at that time uh, would try and reset it for you and maybe uh, tie a couple of sticks around your arm so you don't move it and hope for the best. I mean, that was about it. You know, go home, get lots of sleep, have an apple. Call me in the morning. <laughs> you have uh, you have you know modern day druids who attend a culticon. What can you tell me about the the druid religion? What do you know oh, about it? There's uh, quite a bit. Um, I myself am a member of Obod, which is the order of bards, ovates, and druids. Um, <clears throat> we're an or- organization of neo druidics. Uh, its home base is in England. Um, there's members all over the world. It was founded in 1964 by Ross Nicholas, who was uh, a former member of the Ancient Order of Druids, I believe they're called. And uh, Ross Nicholas and Philip Cargom uh, started this uh, tradition. And uh, there's all, all different spots. Like, for example, if you're a bard, um, you're at the initiate level, and they're the ones that tell the tales and sing the songs and do poetry and art. Then you have the ovates, who are more of like the prophet, healer, diviner types. And then finally the druids, who are more of the philosophers, teachers, counselors, magicians. Um, like druid means strong oak or forest sage. Um, and uh, it's, it's a very earth and nature-bound type religion um, and uh, way of life. Um, we're actually going to be hosting an Obod uh, event at Mythwood this year um, called the Obod Great Lakes Gathering, and that's on the August long weekend. Um, it's a quite quite a neat uh, gathering. It's never happened before, but we do have heard a rumor that Philip Cargom will be coming next year uh, to uh, to join the celebration. 
Um, I'd say the, the true founder of Druidism, though, is probably William Stuckley. Uh, he was born uh, November 7th, 1687. He was the pioneer of the whole... Uh, he, he actually pioneered the, the first investigation that they know of into Stonehenge and Avebury. Um, and uh, that's we, we believe that um, maybe... Um, he, he was the one that started the entire order of the Druids, and uh, it became a tradition and eventually uh, was known as the First Order. And this went on for years, and they still exist now. So what, is, so, what, 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 does, what do Druids uh, believe? Is it a pantheistic religion? Do they believe in an unseen world? Do they believe in an immortal soul? What do they believe? Well, um, first they believe that everything has magic. Um, every rock, every tree, um, every person, everything is sacred. And uh, that you have to respect those things in, in, uh, in the world and, and just become a part of it. And that's when you can start to uh, do what's called entrainment or, or uh, mindfulness. Uh, where you are very aware of everything that is around you at all times, and that's when magic happens, because you become a part of it, and you start to understand that everybody and everything is all synchronized together in this one big pot. So, and what about do they believe in an, like in an unseen world, for example? Do they believe in a in a spirit world and an afterlife? That's right, they do. Um, there's a place we call the Summerland, and uh, it's, a, it's a Celtic term. Um, basically means uh, our version of heaven. Um, so it's, it uh, correlates with the as above, so below. So uh, it's believed that it's a very similar world above that we uh, transition to, or as we become uh, more enlightened and so on, we have the opportunity to go there and uh, and continue on the next phase of life. And is there a a close connection between Druidism and and uh, the Wiccan Church? Um, actually, there's some similarities because at the time, I mean, they're all neo religions, right? So at the time um, when it was being created. Uh, Ross Nichols was actually working with uh, uh, Gardner, who uh, helped to create the uh, the Wiccan religion, and they have some similarities between them. For example, um, calling the quarters, uh, so or respecting all the cardinal points and things like that. But but once you get a little bit out of the actual ritual structure, they're completely different things. And and how about w- within the Druid uh, religion? There's ceremonial magic, I'm guessing, but is there like practical magic? Do you believe that you can, uh, or is it possible to manifest things? Is it possible to uh, to um, alter reality? Is, are there spell casting? Uh, is there spell casting going on? Um, there's uh, it's. I find spellcasting is, is seems to be more of a, a wicked, wicked side of things. Um, the druids, I'm sure, do uh, a lot of their own spellcasting, but it's more of a, um, like folk magic. 
um, things that are uh, a little more based on on nature as opposed to putting together an entire uh, spell that's um, got all the right things in the right place and you've used all the right tools and done all the right timings and everything in order to manifest this energy. Um, It kind of falls under the the principle of uh, mentalism from uh, the Hermetic Laws. Um, It's it's all about your state of mind and uh, and what you believe and how you believe it. Um, It doesn't really matter which religion you're with. As long as you have that faith and that that, uh, belief, um, you can manifest all these uh, magic things. Um, for example, I can think of one time, uh, Alistair Crowley, he, he had, was walking down the street with, uh, a gentleman, and as they were walking down, the, the one guy said, hey, you know, show me some magic, show me what's going on here, and it's like, oh, okay, so what he did was he said, watch this, and there was a guy up ahead, and he started mimicking his movements, his, his walking movements, and he did that for a little bit of time, and all of a sudden, uh, Crowley fell down to the ground, and uh, right after that, the guy in front of them fell down as well. Wow. Um, so uh, little things like this, um, you know, are, are sort of the, the basis of magic. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know, a lot of mind over matter, uh, mind power, mindfulness. Uh, just being, being one with with everything, really. You know, like the Buddha pizza. <laughs> the Buddha pizza. Yeah, uh, one with everything. G- give us a sense of uh, who who is going to be uh, speaking uh, and appearing at Occulticon this year. Oh well, first we do have Freighter Arceus, and uh, he is a <clears throat> leader of the OTA or the Magister of the OTA. He really knows his stuff. Um, and uh, he's back this year by popular demand because he was so good last year. There's a whole bunch of people said, can we get him back? And I said, I'll try. And lucky for us, he's, he's coming back again. We have uh, Jenna Tellendrew is going to be coming. Um, she uh, is uh, the leader and founder of the Sisters of Avalon, um, and uh, they do a lot of... Uh, tours and stuff uh, the british islands and ireland and and uh they do like a mystic seekers tour sort of thing um and that's been going on for quite some time and they're uh uh they have one uh of their sex is based out of london ontario actually um we've also got uh, a herbalist a druid named david turner we have a seance practitioner tamara zappa we have an, an astrologer, amazing guy, Franco Soulbody. We have a hypnotist named Phil Naylor. Um, we also have uh, Tiffany Lazic, who's going to be talking about psychotherapy and alchemy. And we even have a paranormal investigator all the way from Saskatchewan, and he's going to be talking about his uh, TV show out there called Past. And we have an uh, Egyptologist named Daniel Kolos, and uh, Richard and Tamara James of the Wiccan Church of Canada, and also coming all the way from uh, Whitehorse, we have a filmmaker named Jessica Hall, and she's made a, a film on the left-hand path, and she's going to be premiering it in uh, Ontario for the first time at Occulticon. 
What does the left-hand path mean? Um, left-hand path is... Uh, it's not something I'm super familiar with because it's not my tradition, but it, it's basically... Um, a little more self-centered um, as far as uh, magic is concerned. It's, um, it's about getting things done for yourself um, before others. It's like putting yourself first. Right, right. Right. All right. Whereas the right-hand path, of course, would incorporate everybody, and it's all one big happy family. And But the left-hand path has a slight advantage to not being tied down with all of the work that comes with trying to keep everyone fed and this and that and Johnny's late so we can't start ritual, you know, all those sort of things. Um, they tie you down a little bit. So um, myself, I'm more of a, a middle path. So the left-hand path, I guess, is it's like when you're on the uh, when the, when you're on the uh, the plane and the oxygen masks come down. You're supposed to put the mask on yourself first. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the left-hand path, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me first. Um, yeah, but uh, it's quite quite fascinating what I do know of it. And uh, Helene M. Arts will be uh, talking about the left-hand path at uh, at the Occulticon on Friday night, and she really knows her stuff. She's been into it for over twenty years. And uh, she's really a fascinating uh, and interesting speaker. So uh, she's not to be missed. Any ceremonies taking place um, yes. with, within the Stone Circle? Yeah, we do. Um, we're actually, um, I've just recruited uh, uh, Freda Arceus and Tamara and Richard James from the WCC. We'll be doing a secret high magic ceremony in the Stone Circle on the midnight of the Saturday. Hmm. So it's very exciting. I can't give you any more details because there's a lot of secrets uh, being kept, um, but I will be hopefully finding out what those are soon, but I don't know them yet. But all I do know is the rituals that I've seen them do before are amazing, and uh, they really pull in a lot of uh, energy and power, and uh, it's really something not to be missed. It's super exciting. Any ley lines that run through? Actually, yes, there is. Mm. Uh, I actually discovered, a. well, it's either a ley line or an underground river. I'm not 100% sure, but I went around and I found all the special spots with my dowsing rods, and it turns out we've got a ley line going right through the stone circle, and that's why we built it there. Hmm. Amazing. So again... Uh, July 13th, 14th, and 15th, Occulticon 2018 at the Mythwood Event Grounds, and that's in Holstein, Ontario, uh, which is about an hour from Toronto up Highway 10, which is, I guess, sort of like north of Mississauga, right? That's right. And again, people can go on to uh, the website, occulticon.ca. Uh, I guess, how does it work? You can buy one-day pass, or you can do the, the whole the whole weekend with your camping and everything? That's right. We, uh, we have uh, tickets where you can stay for the whole weekend, which is highly recommended, because it's set up in a way that it's, it's, it's like a journey that you go through from beginning to end. And uh, we also do have day passes, for those that obviously can't make it for the whole weekend or aren't able to camp for some reason and, and so on. 
And, and roughly how many people do you expect? Uh, last year we had about 200 people, um, and that was double what we were expecting. And this year we expect it to probably grow to about three or 400 people. Wow, fantastic. And is it tent, yeah. tr- tent camping only? Uh, mostly. Uh, we do have uh, a lot of uh, sites that are hooked up and ready to go full service for trailers and so on. Uh, there's probably about 60 sites for trailers and probably about 200 spaces for tent camping. Excellent. Again, occulticon.ca, July 13th, 14th, 15th. I'll be there on the 14th, the Saturday. At what time am I on? <laughs> uh, you're on at 1 o'clock. Okay. Um, and to, to do your uh, little lecture. And then at uh, 3 o'clock uh, on the experts panel. So you'll be sitting with uh, Frater Arceus and uh, Helene M. Hartz. Uh, Tamara James and uh, and a few others, uh, and they're all high experts in what they do. And basically, it's like a convention panel where you have the experts sit around and at the table with microphones in front of the audience in the big tent, and people ask questions and conversations get going. It's it's kind of like a round table, and it's uh, really uh, an exciting, amazing thing. It's it's, it's quite entertaining as well. Well, me thinks I'll be deferring to the other experts on the panel. I'm an expert at running my mouth. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. I'm not really an expert on anything uh, either. I'm a sort of a jack-of-all-trades, if you will. I'm, uh, like I said, more like you. I'm the guy that brings all the people in and uh, and organizes everything and gets them all set up and so everyone else can come and learn. And uh, I was just one day sitting going, you know, I want to learn all this stuff, but i got to go here and i got to go there. And, and next thing you know it, I thought, well, why don't I bring them to me? Brilliant idea. So what did you yeah. do? This is your property. What did you do with it before? Was it a farm? Um, actually, it was a campground before, um, and uh, but it was in quite a, a mess and we came in, we removed over 30 metric tons of garbage and waste and cleaned the entire property up and rebuilt it. And uh, now it's, it's beautiful. Um, there's all kinds, of, uh, <clears throat> all kinds of things to do and see. Um, we're the perfect setting for group gatherings from covens, pagans, weddings, family reunions, business picnics. Uh, and LARPers were perfectly set up for as well. What, what are LARPers? That's, that's live action role playing. Ah, yeah, and uh, that's quite a popular thing uh, around Toronto and all over the the U.S. Actually, um, there's quite a bit in Europe as well. <clears throat> and like I said, there's um, we've got over 60 full sites, service with power and water, hot showers, plenty of cabins to rent in the in the off season. During the festivals, they generally go, uh, cabins will generally be taken up by the presenters and, and guest speakers uh, that stay for the weekend. But uh, we've got, we can sleep over 50 people just in the cabins alone. Uh, we also have a big wooden castle stage that's built for lectures and live bands and five kilometers worth of walking trails. We've got a swimming pond and a small lake and we've got a sword in the stone and all kinds of little things to walk around and see. 
Um, but uh, MythWords usually by appointment only. You have to send us an email and uh, book an appointment. You can do that at uh, MythWoodCampground at gmail.com uh, quickly, M-Y-T-H-W-O-O-D-C-A-M-P-G-R-O-U-N-D at gmail.com. And uh, you can check out uh, the site as well as at mythwood.ca, and uh, that'll give you directions as well to Occulticon, and it'll give you an idea of sort of what you're, you're going to be uh, encountering when you arrive. Well, thanks for inviting me, and uh, I look forward to meeting you and uh, to all my listeners. Come on out. Again, it's Occulticon 2018. You can register occulticon.ca, and it's uh, July 13th, 14th, and 15th. Cayman, great to meet you, and uh, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Richard. It's a total honor to have you coming to Occulticon. I really look forward to meeting you in person. Likewise. Thank you. Well, it's about time to dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs. But before that, I'm going to tell you about what's happening on the next episode of Conspiracy Unlimited. Before that, I must tell you about this remarkable woman I've been reading about and hearing about, Adrian Ferricelli. She's a professional certified dog trainer, and she can help you dog owners develop your dog's hidden intelligence and thus eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams. Adrian has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out this hidden intelligence that exists inside all dogs. You can quickly eliminate any behavioral problems your dog has, no matter how badly you think it's ingrained, no matter what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. This allows our brains to learn new behaviors. Well, your dog's brain has the same neuroplasticity. With the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches, any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. When this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com. That's realbusinessbargains.com. realbusinessbargains.com. Hey, don't forget to be listening this Friday and your chance to win a copy of my Strange Planet CD. That is, assuming you entered. And how do you do that, you ask? Well, it's real simple. Just rate and review this podcast. Grab a screenshot of that and then email it to me at richardserrett1 at gmail.com. richardserrett1 at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your complete name and mailing address. And then your name goes into the draw. Good luck. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, paranormal researcher Joshua P. Warren. He's back from hurricane-ravaged Puerto Rico with some amazing paranormal tales. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>